As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Muddy Knees Media. This Christmas slash Hanukkah slash Winterville slash holiday season, The Athletic wants you to bog off. Because when you buy one annual subscription, you'll get another one for free. And similarly, when you gift a year's subscription, you can get one for yourself at no extra cost. So wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash totally. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, Champions League, all set for the most dramatic group finale since Destiny's Child. Man United, Leipzig, Gladbach, Madrid and Inter, Ajax and Atalanta, big names that could fall this week. Also, we'll be talking Berlusconi, Balotelli and Boating in B, is it his best idea since Bunga Bunga, Leo Messi on the dole and much, much more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And hello, continentally-minded listener. A uh, very warm welcome to you to the Totally Football Show's Euro edition. It is the 8th of December, if you're sitting comfortably. Let's get this show on the road with our friends Alvaro Romeo. Hello, guys. James Horncastle. Hey, James. Raphael Honigstein. Hello, James. And Julien Laurence. Bonjour, bonjour. Woo! There they are. All righty. Everyone good? Everyone have a good weekend? Excellent. Very good. good one. Yeah, all right. And we're, we're all agog for what looks like being a particularly tasty final set of match day fixtures in the group stages of the Champions League. Is this just recency bias or is this a particularly kind of cliffhangery final round of games? What do you think? Well, there's a couple of groups where it's definitely like that. There are lots of other groups where it is absolutely not like that. All right. <laughs> so, but uh, certainly the one with uh, Real Madrid, Shakhtar and Inter um, yeah. and Gladbach in it because it is a four-team tussle. I think, I don't know, uh, Opta will know better than I do as to when there was the last time that four teams from one group could progress on the final match day. That feels mm. particularly um, improbable. Yeah, Group H as well. Three teams in the mix there. And we'll be talking about those 
of course. Lots of Champions League chat, lots of other things to come as well. But let's begin, uh, if you would, with your moments of the weekend. Rafa. The moment of the weekend has to be Silas Vamangituka scoring the slowest, longest goal uh, you're ever likely to see this season. There was a mix-up in the Werder Bremen defence and the Stuttgart striker just went through and it was one of those moments where you just wait for him basically to kneel down and head it over the line or maybe do a little keepy-uppy. But he just waited and waited and waited and waited and then finally shot it in. And Davy Sarke and a couple of other Werder Bremen players not happy about this slow roll. Yeah, it was the way that he waited on the on the goal line for a defender to actually get there before just tapping it in anyway. That was a bit teasing. Could nice. have been worse. Do you remember Paul George Antep when he was at uh, Rennes who actually stopped the ball on the line, kneeled down and had it, had it in with his head on the floor? That's, that's even more humiliating than what, right. than what Silas did. Mm. What was your moment of the weekend, Jules? I would go for Kylian Mbappe scoring his, his 100th goal of, of his PSG career after only 137 games. I mean, the wow. best goal of the night was, was Moise Kane, who scored an absolute world-class goal to make it 2-1 for PSG. But I guess significantly that 100th goal also because I think mentally he waited on, on Mbappe in, in Mbappe's mind, really. He, he, waited, he was waiting for it. So it's good that he finally, finally scored it. Right. 100 goals now. And how many? 130... Seven games. And is that including all the ones he scored in the Champions League in this last year? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, exactly. As he said after the game, now I want to score in the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. All right. Well, big game for PSG coming up against Basak Shahir. Alvaro, your moment of the weekend. Yes, it has to be. Uh, Cadiz beating Barcelona. Uh, let's don't forget that Cadiz is a newly promoted side. Uh, after 15 years in the lower divisions, they are back in La Liga. And this season, they have beaten Real Madrid already and Barcelona now. Uh, in a game that uh, actually they, I would say that they deserve the three points against Barcelona because they defended really well. And uh, they managed to beat Barcelona with an 18% possession, uh, which is something that uh, normally doesn't happen. That's certainly yeah. true. In what yeah. other league would you see that, Graham Zunes said, after watching Spurs beat Arsenal in the, in the North London derby with, what, 30% possession? I don't know. Maybe La Liga, Graham. Perhaps. What about in Serie A? What would you see there, James? It's got to be the bus ride back from uh, Genoa to Milan. Uh, AC Milan going back to the top of the table, plus five, and singing, Pioli's on fire, Juve Inter terrified. I'd never thought I'd see that song adapted in Italy and yet the Milan players have uh, indulged us. So thank you very much. Wow. When was the last time you heard a group of professional players serenading their own manager? No idea, James. Yeah, no, got nothing. All right. Well, loads of stories to bring you, listener. So stay with us as we romp through uh, all the weekend's news and the midweek games. Let's begin because it is a key night in the Champions League on Tuesday with the big game in Leipzig. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend, brought to you by Paddy Power. Defences may be looking shaky at the moment, but Paddy's offers are rock solid. If one leg of your 4-plus-fold Acker lets you down, get a free bet. 
Max free bet £10. Minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive. No shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. Yep. Group H. Man United. Paris Saint-Germain. RB Leipzig. They're all on nine points. Basaksha here. All the way down in, in last place with three. And Man United taking on Leipzig. Now, Rafa. We had a bit of a chat on Sunday night for Monday's show about Man United's prospects. First of all, let's go a little bit more into the extraordinary match on Saturday that Leipzig had in preparation for this when they went to Bayern Munich. It was extraordinary, James. Um, Leipzig hadn't scored in Munich before in the Bundesliga and they scored three goals, but it still wasn't quite enough to win the game. The fourth consecutive draw between the two sides. And... You can look at spectacle and great football and great goals, or you can look at uh, some pretty ropey defending, especially from Bayern, who played their usual game and were very, very open to the counter-attack because the the passing wasn't very good, the gegenpressing wasn't very good, and then they made sort of individual mistakes in the box. So a combination of really a lot of things going wrong. Leipzig played a mostly reactive game I think conserving energy Julian Nagelsmann was even able to make some substitutions in the second half thinking about Tuesday's game so I don't think they'll be nearly as as knackered as Bayern looked but they still have some problems defending themselves so it's not a it's not the easiest of propositions I think to play against a Man United team that are so good on the break and that will force you to have possession Uh, Leipzig, I don't think, will be able to play the game that they played fairly well in Munich because Man United want to play that game uh, against Leipzig. From Bayern's point of view, uh, Jamal Muziala coming off the bench after 25 minutes and scoring an absolutely brilliant goal. That's his second of the season for Bayern, is that right? It is, and um, this was a really good goal. Bayern worked it just outside the box and he just smashed it in uh, from a... um, tight angle as far as you know the, the the amount of goal or the the portion of the goal that he could aim at was was very small but he managed to squeeze it past um Gulashi uh, with real power and precision and it was a beautiful beautiful goal he didn't look out of place at all in this game of course defensively you know not quite Javi Martinez category but his distribution his movement his passing was was all very beautiful and for a 17 year old I think it was very, very impressive to play 60 minutes against Leipzig and and look absolutely fine in midfield. Straight out of Croydon, Jamal Musiala. Uh, James? Raf, were you expecting Musiala to make this kind of an impact at Bayern? Because as James mentions, he's already got uh, a goal this season before the Leipzig game. And do you think the way things are falling for him, Martinez can't stay fit, Kimmich's out injured, Thiago Alcantara's no longer there. Do you think he's got a real opportunity to establish himself in that Bayern Munich midfield? I mean, for the time being, for sure. I think once Joshua Kimmich will come back and Tolisa will come back and maybe Mark Rocker can you know, find form and, and recover from his injury, I think his, his time will be limited. But Hansi Flick has taken him up to the Bayern team late last season and, and the senior team and felt that he is ready to play at this level. And he's made another step up in terms of the progress in the last few weeks. And I think that for him, the, the sky seems to be the limit. There is internally a lot of hype and optimism about him that people really think he's he is the real deal. But I think Flick and Bayern would be very careful not to you know, push him too much too early. But he seems to have already done more than I think most people expected when he came initially. 
um, because he was actually seen as not quite ready enough to play for the um, stronger of the two youth teams that he joined. Most most um, big clubs have two sections of youth teams, slightly older ones, slightly younger ones, and he was put in with the slightly younger ones. But then within the space of uh, 12 months, went all the way from the under-17s to the seniors. His, his progress was so rapid in those 12 months. I have to say that the best assist I've seen this weekend has to be Haidaras uh, in Justin Kluivert's goal. That was unbelievable, the way he cushioned the ball. Uh, he basically invented an assist where there wasn't an assist. Uh, many players over there, they just collapse or they shoot, and they found one of the nicest uh, passes leading to goal that uh, I've seen definitely, definitely this weekend. It was amazing, really. It was a little dink or a little chip. Very nice. All three Bayern goals assisted by... Kingsley Coman. Leroy Sané, uh, Rafa, a bit of a disappointment, is that right? He was. He didn't quite look as effective as um, Kingsley Coman, which perhaps is understandable because Coman has been out of this world for the last few months. But Bayern want more from him. They want more energy from Sané. They want more um, goals, more threat in the final third. And the game sort of passed him by. And I don't think it's, it's necessarily the, the biggest issue at the moment, but defensively, he seemed very reluctant to, to help out. And in a game where Bayern were frequently sort of caught out, the fact that you have this one guy kind of walking back 60 metres away from the defence was sort of sticking out perhaps more clearly than in, in, in other games. And... Flick, after this game, didn't go into specifics, but before the game and before a few other games, had actually called out uh, Sané's behaviour saying, or application saying, oh, he still needs to learn a lot to be a Bayern player. We need to get more from him when we work against the ball, as we say in Germany. So I don't want to suggest it is a you know a massive crisis or problem, but certainly I think the need for him to to step up and to add another dimension to his game, which is missing at the moment. OK, well, the 3-3 draw leaves Bayern now one point ahead of Bayer Leverkusen, who moved up into second, a point ahead of Leipzig. Leipzig now focus on Tuesday night's clash with Man United. 5-0, United beat them at Old Trafford. Why, Rafa, why might this time be different? Well, the 5-0 could have been different. And I think that's a point that Julian Nagelsmann made um, up until... 71 minutes or so, Leipzig looked at least equal. Perhaps they were slightly the better team. They had a lot of possession. What they struggled with was creating clear-cut chances in the final third. And then they were hit on the break and then completely collapsed in the last few minutes. And United did this thing, which they have done also in the Premier League, which is to to score in bursts, where you know in a game that they actually don't look very good in, they find three or four moments where the pace and the, the movement up front is just too much for the opposition. So it, it's a difficult one. Leipzig having to win the game and United needing only a point, it's actually set up for United to play their usual game. And they've played it very well in Europe, especially away from home. So Apart from when they went to Turkey. Apart from they went to Turkey, when they conceded a, one of the funniest goals of the season. Uh, certainly in the Champions League. So it's going to be difficult. I think Leipzig need to make sure that they have a lot of balance. And it's probably going to be a fairly cagey game to begin mm. with. And then that first goal will be absolutely huge. Because if, if Leipzig score first, uh, 
United have to come out a little bit and then Leipzig can do what they did so well on Saturday night. If, however, um, United score, as they did it at Old Trafford, it'll be, I think, very difficult then for Leipzig to keep going without opening them up too early. So mm. it's, it's going to be very, very tense and a very interesting game. Okay. Uh, Leipzig have conceded six goals in their last two matches across uh, Bundesliga and, and Champions League, and they'll be without doubt over Meccano in this game as well. He's suspended, Rafa. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. bad news. Mm. Well, a draw would be enough for Leipzig if if Basaksha here beat Paris Saint-Germain in the other game on Tuesday. What about it, Jules? It would be very PSG-like, wouldn't it, if they were not to qualify now or something happened after after the last two games that they won against Leipzig and against uh, against Manchester United. They took on rested a lot of the players of the weekend. Mbappé, we said, just came on late. No Marquinhos, no Verratti, no Neymar. So you expect them to at least be you know, be fresh and, and fit, ready to go. Uh, but actually, not the same team away than they are at home. So... Hopefully for PSG, they can get the job done and finish top of the group. I think that's the objective for them now. OK, you were at Old Trafford on Wednesday, Jules. Did you have a good time? Yeah, it was very good. Thank you very much. It was it was great. It was my first time as P-side reporter uh, oh. for any television, in this case French TV, which was very interesting. And I was right by the um, the PSG bench as well. So, if it, you know, the, the way they played, I thought it was a fantastic game, really, that could have gone United's way and I don't think we'd have any debate. I'm glad Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Messed it up completely by leaving Fred on the pitch. I think that helped PSG massively. But yeah, it was a game they had to win and they did. So it was very good for them. Wow, that must have been quite a special sight. You and the Paris Saint-Germain bench. Were you tempted to go and sit down? <laughs> I, I punched the air with my fist on the third goal. And then right. uh, Paredes and Verratti were also celebrating through water. So I got a bit of shot. I got shot a little bit. But that was, that was, that was worth it. That was good. Okay. Basaksha here actually gave uh, RB Leipzig a bit of a scare last time out with that extraordinary 4-3 in Istanbul with Kavecchi with that that hat-trick. Anyone fancy their chances of springing an upset at the Parc des Princes? I'll move on then. Uh, now, Group F on Tuesday. Dortmund are through, although not mathematically certain, of top spot. And Lazio Bruges is a dramatic playoff for the other spot, hey, James Horncastle, Lazio Bruges. Lazio will go through if they don't lose at home to Bruges. What do you think? Well, they haven't lost in the Champions League this season. Um, so that's already a, a pretty good omen. And I think that, you know, Lazio put in some gutsy performances um, so far. They've had to match day two, match day three uh, away in Bruges and in St. Petersburg. They were without their best players because of this COVID-19 fiasco that they were embroiled in. Um, they now have their best players available uh, pending the latest round of UEFA testing. Um, but they don't seem to be the kind of inconsistencies that they were early on in the campaign. But they looked very poor at the weekend, uh, to be honest. I think that's because their mind was on this game. They were playing Spezia, a um, newly promoted side in Cesena, and they got things done fairly early. Um, Immobile scoring in his eighth consecutive game. Uh, Milinkovic scoring a free kick, which is now becoming a bit of a trademark of his. But aside from that, they were lucky um, to get the win. Um, I think they would have been lucky to get a point given the chances that Spezia had. But you know, I think uh, as with a lot of uh, the teams in, involved in the Champions League, they're 
ups and downs domestically I, in part because of the fatigue that has built up and because they're very much focused on these games so Bruges I think still scratching their heads as to why they didn't win uh, the reversed fixture because they certainly uh, had enough chances uh, to do that uh, Lazio digging in um, I expect Lazio will win this come through it get what they need uh, and qualify for the first time in a long time which I think of all the Italian coaches um, involved in the Champions League so far I think Simone Inzaghi is probably impressed the most because 13 years outside of the Champions League he's got them back into it and it looks like they're going to get out of the group straight away um, as well and they've done it in really adverse circumstances so not wanting to get ahead of myself but you know I think I, I'd anticipate that Lazio get through this All right, Bruges of course with that mighty 3-0 victory over Zenit St. Petersburg in the last match day. So they are a dangerous outfit. And of course, we all recall their remarkable first-half performance away at the Bernabeu last season when they took that 2-0 lead against Real Madrid, ultimately ending up with a draw, which wouldn't be enough for them uh, this time, of course. All right, well, that's on Tuesday. Dortmund, meanwhile, will be at Zenit St. Petersburg looking to wrap up top spot. And we move on to Group G, where the battle for first place sees Barcelona hosting Juventus. Alvaro, you mentioned it at the top. It's been another dramatic week for the Catalans. It has been a bad week for Barcelona. It all started with uh, the report saying from um, Barcelona Press and then later confirmed by the interim uh, president that Barcelona players won't be paid in January. Uh, they get two pay slips a year and the one that they should get in January 2021 is going to be postponed. So that is the financial state of the club and the sports state of the club is not very good either. I mean, it's a little bit of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde case here because in La Liga, Barcelona is pretty bad. I mean, they have uh, collected only four points away from home so far. This weekend, they lost against Cadiz, but now they are playing against Juventus and probably one of the biggest games or the yeah to endorse uh, Ronald Koeman's case is the one against Juventus back in October when Barcelona won 2-0. The result was so good that Barcelona can even lose this time against Juve by a one-goal margin and they will still go through as uh, first of the group. But there are many many problems at Barcelona that haven't been solved. As you know, um, uh, they do many innocuous passes, then the pressure up front doesn't work very well. Everything relies on Messi, but Messi, when he doesn't play well, uh, he's a bit desperating, really, uh, losing many balls as well. The other day against Cadiz, he lost 29. And uh, the best thing for Barcelona at this stage, as I said um, a couple of weeks ago, is to uh, make sure that they arrive in March uh, with all their options intact. But uh, they will have to they will have to rush as well and hurry up because in La Liga at the minute they are very far away from the top, 12 points away from Atletico de Madrid. But these games against Juventus can be a rebirth for Barcelona. The Champions League is giving them some air and I believe that Juventus is not the Juventus they were a couple of years ago, James uh, can say. So I think that this game is going to be quite tight again. Well, they're not the same Juventus they were two months ago because compared to that game, they've got a big name back, haven't they, James? Yeah, Cristiano will get to play against Messi, um, which, you know, all the build-up uh, for the first game was kind of put on ice when he was uh, when he tested positive for COVID-19. There's been a lot of uh, debate in Italy about how uh, dependent Juventus are on Ronaldo. I think the weekend, again, showed uh, that to be a load of rubbish because he was playing again um, and wasn't able to impact the game against Torino. Probably the worst performance Juventus have put in since that Barcelona game. I'd say it was even worse 
uh, than that with few excuses um, because they were playing against they won but they were playing against a weaker opponent uh, a team that can't um, hang on to a lead for Toffee it's given up 19 points from winning positions so far this season Torino we're only 10 games in uh, and Torino neutered them, uh, certainly for the first hour. Um, you know, Juventus had one attempt on target, came on the 43rd minute. It was Paolo Dybala from outside the box. Dybala, again, a shadow of himself uh, from last season. And uh, I'm worried about uh, Juventus. Uh, you know, as much as this would ordinarily be seen as a great opportunity to capitalise on, on a Barcelona side that is in its worst crisis for a, for, for a long, long time, they don't look like they're in a position to do that, James. Still very much a work in progress, even with Matthias De Ligt back, uh, for example. I mean, I th- one thing that is encouraging for them is uh, their defence should be a lot stronger than the one that faced Barcelona in the reverse fixture because they've got uh, De Ligt back. Um, Bonucci's healthier uh, than he was. Bonucci got the winner in the Turin derby, stoppage time one, as is uh, the case frequently in the in, in that rivalry of late. Um, but, yeah, they... Yeah, they, they were unable to create many clear-cut chances. Again, Juan Cuadrado being the main difference maker uh, for the team. Got a couple of assists. He's got four in the Champions League this year. So I'm pretty sure you know, a lot of Barcelona's attention is if you stop Cuadrado, <laughs> then you can pretty much stop stop Juventus at this moment in time. But they have to win 3-1, as, as, as kind of Alvaro was alluding to, in order to win the group. Right. Um, I'd have backed them to do that under Allegri. I find it hard to back them to do that under Pirlo, but yeah, I'd like to be surprised. Okay, Barcelona, the only club in the Champions League with a 100% winning record at the moment. They they are, I think, getting one or two players back from injury at the back. This, as you mentioned, the clash between Ronaldo and Messi, potentially the first meeting of the two on the field since 2011 and quite possibly the last time we'll see them face-to-face in a competitive football engagement. Crikey. Uh, Alvaro, just returning to Barcelona's problems off the field, I I noticed that acting president Carlos Tusquets called it the worst situation in the club's history. The the club has been left virtually ruined by former president Bartomeu. They've lost more than 300 million euros in the past year. If they hadn't postponed players' salaries, they wouldn't have made it till the end of the year. There is no money. And the little chaser on this, it would have been better if we'd sold Lionel Messi. Ha. Huh. Well, um, just what's the what's the kind of future then? Because it, there were these comments from Neymar last week about how he'd like to play with Messi again next season. And I think some people thought, oh, is he going back to Barcelona then? But what are the chances of the pair of them ending up in Paris? Well, I can, I can answer for Neymar's chances of uh, going back to Barcelona, which are uh, very little, uh, 0% almost, because Barcelona cannot afford Neymar's salary unless they get rid of Messi. Uh, which is something that uh, I don't think is going to happen yet, even though, uh, let me tell you, James, I think that an interim president uh, cannot cannot go out there to media and uh, talk about how bad Barcelona is financially. I think that he should be definitely more discreet, especially in the context of some elections that will happen at the end of January. Uh, At the minute, the situation in Barcelona is as it is. The club is financially suffering a lot. Uh, There is a debt that apparently goes beyond the 600 million threshold. Um, They have lost a lot of money in the match match day revenue because they they cannot... uh, There are no fans in the stands and the Spanish government so far doesn't doesn't think that uh, it would be a good idea to to have some fans back, uh, not even a limited number. And uh, the club's museum as well, which is a 
cash cow for Barcelona uh, has been closed since March. So the finances are what they are. And uh, this, this is going to be very difficult to overturn that. And every candidate that uh, wants to be next Barcelona president, contrary to some other times, they are not talking about who they are going to sign. They are going not making electoral promises, you know, as uh, Joan Laporta, for example, did in 2003 when he said that he had... Uh, signed David Beckham, which was not true, but uh, then he came up with Ronaldinho and that was fine. This time, no no candidate is uh, promising any players because they all want to know exactly what's going on with the finances, how bad they are, and uh, then they will see what they can do. But uh, priority number one for some of the candidates, like Victor Font, uh, who seems to be the favorite with Joan Laporta, is to extend Lionel Messi's contract. But at the same time... Uh, on the basis of uh, Messi's performances, especially away from home, offering him a new contract worth 50 million after tax a year doesn't seem to be the best idea. So, you know, there are many decisions to make and uh, selling Lionel Messi, uh, as hard as it sounds, has to be one of those things that Barcelona, the next president, will have to ponder just to get Barcelona's uh, finances right or at least to get a bit closer to uh, the stability of the club. Jules... Did you not speak to Neymar after the Manchester United game? And he basically said, "Come on, Messi, come play for PSG." Yeah, he wasn't. He was. He didn't say that to me. We didn't have him uh, post match, but obviously that you know that that line uh, that he gave to ESPN Argentina was was big, and it's very. I mean, it's, it's actually both simple and complicated for PSG. I think they will look into it, but. It looks very, 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 very difficult to do because financially, even if Messi decides to leave and he will leave on a free because his contract finishes in June, he still, as Alvaro said, has a huge, huge wages, you know, over 50 million net. So that's 110 million gross a year, which is a lot of money to find. The only way I think, I, I, I think we don't, we, you know, we don't take any risk by saying that having all of Neymar, Mbappe and Messi in the same team financially is I can't see how PSG can do it. I think it might be down to either you sell Mbappe to get Messi or you keep you keep Mbappe and Neymar and you don't go for Messi because financially I don't think you can have three in your team. But I'm not even sure anyone can afford Kylian Mbappe right now, even with just one year left on his contract. I don't think Real Madrid have much money. I don't think Liverpool have that kind of money right now either available. So I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's interesting. But Messi then, is he going to end up unemployed, do you think? Because Barcelona can't keep him, uh, PSG can't afford him. What's going to happen? If only Moratti was still president of Inter. This is the sort of thing Moratti yeah. would do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, can, you can, I mean, you can go for him and take a, you know, take a gamble. I think that's what Barca would have to do. You take a loan. I don't know, you find some money somewhere, even if you pay, if you pay back later or something. Right. Um, I think the difference for Barcelona, though, it would be easier for them because they will still be okay with financial fair play. For a- any other team, especially the big one who already have a big wage bill, taking on Messi, even on a free, as a free agent, you know, as we said, you add 110 million gross a year on your wage bill, which is already big if you talk about clubs like Juventus or PSG and, uh, or even English clubs. And I think then straight away, you're, you're in trouble with financial fair play. So on that level, it'd be easier for Barca to keep him than for anybody else to try to get him. Well, I'm looking forward to all the months to come of, of Messi speculation. But Alvaro, just on Tuesday's game, how uh, optimistic are you that, as James was suggesting, Juve won't be able to 
wreck Barca's top spot or indeed perfect record in the Champions League? Well, I think that uh, it's very difficult for Juventus to, to beat Barcelona by a, a big margin. I do believe that because uh, Juventus doesn't look good at the minute. Barcelona is a hit and miss. Uh, they can produce uh, really good performances or also abysmal ones like the one against Cadiz or going back um, the one against Atletico de Madrid. I believe, though, that they are going to end up topping the group. I'm pretty sure about that because uh, still they have been able in the Champions League to uh, show glimpses of how good they could be if they, they kept the focus for 90 minutes. I think if there's a Juventus player to make a mark in this game, it is your namesake, Alvaro <laughs> Morata, who will be back from suspension. He missed the game at the weekend. He's been absolutely sensational. Eight goals, three assists, complete centre-forward at Juventus um, at the moment. And uh, has a good record on nights like this. Remember, he scored six Champions League goals so far in the group stages this season. And that, I think, matches. The last player to do that at Juventus was Trezeguet. So, uh, very much the man in form. All right. He scored okay. against Barcelona in the Champions League final as well. So, he knows. He knows how to do that. In a 3-1 defeat. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, much to look forward to then at the Camp Nou on Tuesday. Very shortly, we'll move on to Wednesday's fixtures. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Rafa, before we get on to Wednesday's Champions League fixtures, tell us about the Berlin Derby uh, this weekend. How, for example, are Hertha doing with their plan to dominate world football in the next five seasons? It's been a slow procession towards that uh, global dominance. They've had a pretty poor start, um, ruined in mid-table. They're going into this derby on Friday night, very much the underdog, James, because Union Berlin had been riding high, close to the Champions League places, and had, as we said, in midfield, Max Kruse scoring all these goals, and Union playing even the better football, which is something that uh, I don't think has ever happened in the history, limited history of those two uh, being in a, in a similar space at the same time. But of course, um, it happened very differently, as expected. <laughs> Uh, Union did take the lead, but then Robert Andrich was sent off for a challenge uh, which went badly wrong. He basically kicked somebody in the head um, mm. by mistake. Um, and then the game completely swung round in the second half with uh, Hatta scoring three goals. Uh, Piontek played quite well. He got the second one. And Union kind of ran out of steam, unfortunately. So uh, not, not the derby that most people thought they would get but a timely win for Hatter, nevertheless. Mm, okay. Jules uh, from Ligue 1, uh, Nice, who were knocked out of the Europa League last Thursday by Bayer Leverkusen in what was their fifth loss in a row in all competitions. And the very next day, Patrick Vieira was told to clear his desk. Indeed, James. I mean, we, we saw it coming. I think even he, he knew they, they had been really poor in Europe. They got completely humiliated by Bayer on, in the reverse fixture. And they've been poor as well in, in the league. And 
it was not really what the ambitions of the owner, one of the richest men in the world as well, wanted. So, and it's not so much even that because sometimes you can play well and, and not have the result. But they were not even playing well when they had. They clearly have very talented players, young players who are really good, but also experienced players. I think it's a good balance in that squad. They should do far better in the content, in the performances, but also the result than what they had under under Vieira. It's a shame because. I would have liked him to do well, and he's he's a, he's a he's a nice guy, but it was just not working out for him. And and I think that was the only really option that they had was to sack him. Usea, the his assistant, who was also Lucien Favre's assistant when Favre was at the club, has taken over. And already we saw the weekend against Hans that it was not great, but they kept a clean sheet. It was a draw. They played a bit better already, different formation, and they've all forgotten Patrick Vieira already. Crikey. What a ruthless game this is. It is. Mm. Uh, James, you mentioned Milan earlier on and they're five points clear and singing their way home after their victory at Sampdoria. But what news of their old uh, owner, Silvio Berlusconi, and his attempts to reconquer Serie A with second division side Monza? Well, what a ruthless game this is, James, he said. But also it is a game that gives you second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. Um, because Mario Balotelli... Um, after being a free agent uh, for the last, what, four or five months, uh, has been told by Adriano Galliani, former chief executive of Milan, now chief executive Monza, that this is your last chance, Mario, your last chance to show that you are as good as everyone thinks you are. Come and join our project in, in the second division. You'll partner Kevin Prince Boateng up front. Uh, Monza uh, were promoted last year. Uh, you mentioned the Berlusconi connection and, and how you know, he's taking his quote-unquote hometown club um, back to the top flight and you know, they aspire to basically play at San Siro. But it hasn't gone great for them so far in, uh, in Serie B, um, even though they've assembled a team that is, is, is better than some of the newly promoted sides on paper um, that have come up to Serie A this year. I mean, they've, you know, we can focus on Balotelli and Boateng, but they've signed, you know, sort of Brazil under-21 internationals. They've signed some of the best Italy under-21 internationals, some of whom on loan. They've got a Portugal under-21 international. It's a, it's a really good team on paper, but they lost 3-0 um, at the weekend to Reggiana, the same day that they um, announced the Balotelli signing. And, yeah, I think in some respects it reflects uh, the ambition uh, that this, this, this Monza side keeps showing that they don't want to hang around in the second division. Um, Balotelli will have a contract until the end of this season. Um, if things go well, then it'll get extended. Of course, that was also the case at his hometown club, Brescia, last season, and they ended up kind of threatening legal action um, at each other um, because during lockdown, um, Brescia alleged that uh, Balotelli was not attending uh, training sessions, but I think they just wanted maybe to get out of the, the contract that they'd, uh, they'd signed with him, which was a one-year rolling one. But um, yeah, hopefully um, yeah, Balotelli can absolutely light it up in, uh, in Serie B. Um, mm. yeah, Monza is going to definitely be one of the stories to follow over the next six months. Brilliant. All right. Balotelli and Boating up front in Serie B. Uh, by the way, if you're hungry for more Italian talk... Uh, let me just quickly mention that there's a new Galazzo out this uh, Wednesday morning, which uh, James and myself uh, have a bit of a chat about the extraordinary career, or careers even, of Sinisa Mihalovic. Mm. Next up, Wednesday. 
Well, the fans who are back in the ground today for the first time are making a lot of noise, despite being spread out all the way from pitch side to the uh, highest tier. Yeah, I'm not sure they should be there, Mark. Uh, why is that, Steve? Well, you're not allowed to watch a game in the highest tier, are you? Uh... Stadiums might not yet be full, but Paddy Power's offers are at full capacity. If one leg of your 4 plus 4 Acker lets you down, get a free bet on all football and all markets. The Acker Cracker from Paddy Power. Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. You're listening to The Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media and The Athletic. Wednesday, we've got Group A teams, B, C and D. Hey, the A teams. Jules, this is a really shameless segue, but just before we started recording, you dropped an info bombshell on us that left us all reeling. To wit, that this piece of music, bam, ba dum bam, 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 ba dum bam, bam, ba dum bam, bam. Right, listener? In France, had lyrics to it. Come on, Jules, how did they go? This is the A-team, by the way, if you're still scratching your head at my rendition. L'agence touriste, c'est vraiment la dernière chance au dernier moment. L'agence touriste, c'est vraiment la dernière chance au dernier moment. Le mauvais coup, c'est But what, what surprised me is that yes. today, at the age of 14... Yes. I discovered that in other countries in the world, there was no words. How sad is that? Well, Not that I discovered now, but that you had no words. The words made it all the, yeah. the tune even better. Did they? What were those words, Jules? So, Agence Tourisque is like the, uh, you know, all risky agency, which is that's, the 18. It's truly I there. thought it was and travel agency. Your, I thought first. so too, actually. <laughs> that was a very different show. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. And then it's the last chance, I was saying. Different, different series, that. Yeah, and then you said that they're your last chance. At, at last minute. Last com, yeah, I mean, still travel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're there. You're there. Brilliant. Okay. Anyway, let's not talk about Group A. Well, actually, we can because Bayern Munich are through and confirmed, etc. I tell you, who isn't through or confirmed or any of those things is Atletico Madrid, because although they are absolutely flying in La Liga at the moment, a point clear with two games in hand on Real Sociedad. In the Champions League, they're going to be away at RB Salzburg. And if they lose, they're out. Crikey. Yes, and following the A-team analogy, yep. Atletico Madrid in the league, they are like Mr. T. And in the Champions League, they, they've been like Murdoch so far. In the sense that uh, they, they've been a little bit unpredictable. And uh, crazy results, really, because they weren't able to get more than two points out of six against the Locomotive Moscow. And this is the thing that has uh, made them be in this uh, status now. Basically, they have a difficult game away now. Uh, I believe that uh, this is a difficult task for Atletico because it's never a good plan to play for the draw uh, because you never know how much you can defend. Uh, they will have to tune um, their defense and their attack very well in this game. The good thing is that, you know, uh, on the basis of what they have shown in La Liga, they are the best defensive team uh, definitely in Europe. Uh, they have conceded only two goals in La Liga this season. Um, they have been able to attack better than some other years with Joe Felix uh, being probably the star of the show. Luis Suarez is back for the game against Salzburg and even though he didn't look very sharp against Valladolid, 
Luis Suárez, uh, que will at least uh, become the target man of Atlético de Madrid up front. And then I like the way uh, Thomas Lema, uh, the French, uh, the French player, is racing his game as well because he's been a little bit of uh, a punching bag at Atlético de Madrid uh, and especially the Atlético de Madrid related. Uh, media because he he haven't replicated the the level that he offered at Monaco but he scored against Valladolid on the weekend and he's been playing much better so far and of course there is another player that I cannot forget because he is probably the key player of Atletico de Madrid with Joao Felix now uh, a player called Marcos Llorente ah. he's a fitness crazy but he is also a football crazy man I mean he's been playing really well and he's uh, one hell of a scorer as well something that a year ago we didn't know I thought you were going to say Kieran Trippier, who assisted both goals in the weekend's 2-0 victory over Valladolid. Yeah, and well, Kieran Trippier is the best right back that Atletico has, and there is no doubt about it. He has made a huge effort to convince uh, Simeone in the defensive department, and I, I do believe that right now he is one of the best tools Atletico de Madrid has going forward because, you know, sometimes the game uh, gets difficult and you need to, to bring some good things from the from the flanks and Kieran Trippier's uh, crosses and also deep passes are always very very um, very clever and uh, they always find a target in fact he gave as you said a couple of assists on Saturday and one of them for Marcos Llorente was very good okay Atletico can still go through by the way on Wednesday with a draw against uh, RB Salzburg if they do they'll have qualified for the last 16 by winning just one match out of six in the group stage. I think they'll be the first team ever to achieve that. Of course, following that, next weekend they've got the derby with Real Madrid, who've got a bit of a match on midweek as well, at home to Borussia Mönchengladbach in the extraordinary-looking Group B. That's up next. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Group B, everybody. Borussia Mönchengladbach on eight points. Shakhtar and Real Madrid on seven points. Inter on five points. All four can still go through. Bottom place Inter will be at home to Shakhtar uh, this Wednesday. They must win to stay in Europe. But even if they do, they might not make it into the top two of this group and the last 16 of the Champions League. Because if Real Madrid and Borussia Mönchengladbach draw, both of those teams go through. Biscotto. Biscotto alert, exactly. Come on then. Is this is this gonna be one of those white draws? Is this gonna be a little bit of a little nod and a wink at the kickoff, Alvaro? What do you think? Rafa. La maletas, la maletas. El maletín, yeah, very good. Uh, Jules knows. Uh, in Spain, we say the the briefcase. Yes. The briefcase. You know, when... Uh, and that is something that has happened in Spanish football, when right. teams got paid by some others to win, to do the job and win. Right. Rafa, what do they call it in Germany? Well, we don't have a name for this thing because it doesn't happen <laughs> in Germany. What about when the referees um, get thrown into prison for the throwing game? Yeah, the, the Häuser one. I mean, sometimes um, die Schande von Gijon is being mentioned. Uh, ah, yeah. A reference to the 1982 non-game between Germany and Austria. 
Um, but yeah, I can only translate biscotto to you in German, which is, sounds just as beautiful. Keks. <laughs> <Very nice. laughs> so, so will there be kicks between Real Madrid and Borussia Mönchengladbach this Wednesday? I don't think so. Um, I mean, a draw is enough to kick out Inter, but it might not be enough for Real Madrid to go through. So I think Real Madrid will, will play the usual game. Um, they are at home in inverted commas. So I, I don't see them playing for a draw. But of course, if late on, um, you know, it, it should come to pass that the game is still drawn and that it's enough for both teams, then as is often the case, I think you'll see some kind of subconscious um, agreement or realization that there is no need now to go out to chase a win on either side. But I think, I mean, Gladbach have been have been drawing lots of games anyway, so it wouldn't be out of place for them. They drew against uh, Real Madrid earlier. They drew against Inter earlier in the first uh, two meetings of the group stage. Uh, they drew at the weekend, 2-2 against Freiburg. So this is very much a result in the vein of, of their season, if, okay. if it were to be. Yeah, they've never made it out of the Champions League group stage. Real Madrid, meanwhile, coming to this off the back of a very narrow win away at Sevilla courtesy of a, an own goal by Sevilla's goalkeeper Bounou. Uh, they'll have uh, Sergio Ramos back for this game, apparently. Is that right, Alvaro? Yes, that is right. Sergio Ramos will be back and will play as a centre-back all together with Rafael Vagan. So Real Madrid is back to business. They saw that in Sevilla on Saturday, um, you know, they resemble the team that they became in June and July, uh, a team that... Uh, um, started the game with a clean sheet, never conceded, and then they won one or two nil, short margins, but enough to get the three points. So they became that Real Madrid against Sevilla, and that was refreshing to see uh, after the terrible game against Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, I think that one of the keys for Real Madrid is Casemiro. Uh, if he plays, Real Madrid is a different team. Uh, I think that he is the man who makes... Uh, you know, uh, everything to make more sense. Uh, he, he balances the team. And uh, then, uh, you know, the likes of Vinicius or Rodrigo together with Benzema, maybe they don't uh, offer a lot uh, in terms of goals, but at the same time, they, they, they can be dangerous, especially the speed of Vinicius on the left uh, is very good for Real Madrid. And, uh, you know, I think that this is uh, the key game for Real Madrid because if they lose, basically something will happen. Real Madrid will be out of the group stage and this is something that uh, is unprecedented and uh, Real Madrid couldn't uh, probably afford, uh, you know, a lack of prestige like this. You know, mm. this is a, a punch in their history uh, to their prestige and uh, probably Zinedine Zidane's future will be hanging uh, from a very thin thread. So I think that uh, this time Real Madrid is going to get the result finally and uh, they will make uh, progress in the Champions League. All right, well, we shall see. As we mentioned, they do have the derby coming up with Atletico Madrid, who are six points ahead of them in the league and with a game in hand on them as well coming up this weekend. Real Madrid have lost four of their last seven in the Champions League, meanwhile. Huge game coming up then, or possibly not, depending on the result uh, between Inter and Shakhtar. Of course, it was nil-nil in Ukraine in the match day two clash, but previous to that in the semi-finals of the Europa League, Back in August, it was 5-0 to Inter with Lukaku bossing it. And he was back on the score sheet this weekend as they beat Bologna 3-1. A couple of goals from Hakimi as well. Are we going to see that kind of rampaging Nerazzurri performance, do you think, against Shakhtar? Well, I mean, they deserve to win in Kiev. Uh, they hit the bar twice. Um, but, yeah, ultimately... 
they were unable to convert their chances. Um, yeah, it's, it was quite interesting, uh, the focus on Hakimi over the last week because yeah, Conte had been using Damian um, to good effect uh, recently. For example, against uh, Gladbach, um, Hakimi did come on in that game and set up a goal for Lukaku. But there's a sense that Hakimi hasn't really learned to defend in the way that Conte is reassured by at the moment. Um, I bet Rafa will love this answer, but at the weekend... Oh, I know, I know this. Yeah, I've seen it. Conte said that, you know, the Bundesliga is, is, is less tactical than City. A lot are. less um, tactical. Uh, he said less tactical. He said they study teams no, less. No, molto meno tactical, <laughs> no, he said. No, calcio meno tattico, ti studiano meno, is what he went for. But um, luckily, he's now getting a real football education under, under Conte after, after playing in, in that, uh, in, in, in clearly a lesser farmer's league than France, in Antonio Conte's uh, opinion. Um, 100%. So, so, so <laughs> I, I think the issue is that Conte clearly doesn't trust Hakimi when he's up against a player like Marcus Turam, for example, when he's up against. Uh, you know, in, 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 in the league, some of the uh, the top top wingers. And he, he, he trusts Damian more. Uh, that was the story of the, the win against Gladbach, is, is the number of Italians, hardworking Italians in that team. Um, Gagliardini, Barella, um, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, Damian. But, uh, you know, on, as you mentioned, James, that 5-0 win was the perfect display from Inter in, in, the, uh, in the Europa League. Um, they need to replicate that. Why should we uh, trust them? Well, Inter haven't given us all that, that much to trust them by in the Champions League in recent years, going into the final match day with their destiny in their own hands, which isn't the case this time, and blowing it up against the Barcelona B team, you know, which sent their kids to play at San Siro because they'd already qualified and Inter couldn't beat them. And then the previous season, when they all they had to do, I think, was beat PSV, um, and they couldn't do that either. So... Um, I think if they were to go through in these circumstances, it would be a big burden lifted at Inter, you know, and, and on, on Conte as well. I think uh, it would be a lot more significant than just qualify from the group would, would ordinarily be for a team of, of that stature. Right. Well, they have to win against Shakhtar and then hope, hope that the kicks don't come over <laughs> at the uh, Alfredo Di Stefano. A stadium. All right. One group for us to tell you about. It is, of course, Liverpool's uh, Group D. Liverpool are through. The big clash here is Ajax Atalanta. Oof. 2-2 between these two sides in Bergamo. This weekend, what did Ajax do? They lost at home to 20. Crikey. Atalanta, meanwhile, didn't play because of a waterlogged pitch. Uh, Atalanta with a pretty rotten run of form at the moment. Only one win in their last six games, and that was at Liverpool. First game between these two was a bit of a special one. What do you all think we're going to be treated to this time around? Well, 20 is usually the amount of goals Ajax score against domestic opposition. <laughs> but um, in this particular case, it uh, didn't work out that way. Mm, nice, Rafa. On the one hand, James, it's uh, it's great that Atlanta basically have got some time to rest and repair uh, and properly prep up uh, on, on Ajax going into this game. I do think it's a big blow that they've lost Robin Gosens to a COVID-19 positive. Is, is that now uh, confirmed? Because I thought he'd had a negative over the weekend that maybe he was back in play. Well, ultimately, they will undergo testing again. Um, but, you know, whenever someone has, has had a positive, they, 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 they tend to sit out the game on the bench and come on later. Yeah, he's so important to them, as we saw against Liverpool. Um, 
you know, when Atalanta have played without one of him or Hans Hattibor this season, they haven't looked uh, the same side that they did last year. They, the, the guys that they brought in to replace Timothy Castagna still haven't really um, allowed them to to uh, play at the same level um, and, uh, and and let them rest one of Gosens and Hattibor. So I think that's uh, that's going to be a concern. They'll be sweating on on that until the, the, the right at the end. But of course, Atalanta this time last year, um, you know, on match day six, uh, they went away needing a result against Shakhtar. They got it. They're going away uh, needing a result against Dykes. They've, yeah, they can draw and go through. Let's not not forget that. And um, you know, we shouldn't forget where Atalanta are from as well. As much as as they got to the final eight last year, you know, at the moment, they'll worst case scenario, they finish third and go in the Europa League. They'll still be playing European football in come February. Um, and yeah, I, I still think for for an Atlanta, side with Atlanta's uh, budget, that's that's a success. And when it comes to Ajax, it has to be said that if they don't make it through the group stage, it will be the second year in a row that they don't do it. And I think that that doesn't do justice to how good this Ajax team has been. In fact, uh, last season they went out uh, just because they screw up at Stamford Bridge with two players sent off. And I think that they level on points with Valencia and Chelsea, but they didn't go through due to the head-to-head uh, difference. And this year, I mean, it's very easy to remember individual mistakes, like Tagliafico scoring an own goal against Liverpool at Amsterdam, or the other day Onana making a massive mistake at Anfield, you know, so they've been really good, but the individuals have made key mistakes in key moments, but this Ajax team is a, still a very, very good team, and they are not even naive in defence, because they are one of the best defence uh, defenses in Europe when it comes to, comes to their domestic record as well, so I think they are very well balanced. Well, it's going to be a huge game. On Wednesday night, Ajax hosting Atalanta, two of the most attractive teams uh, to watch uh, in the European game. Anyway, that is your Tuesday and Wednesday previews from the Champions League. Of course, Thursday, we'll see the Europa League have its final group stage games. Uh, Six places in the last 32 are still available. As you probably know, Rangers, Arsenal, Spurs and Leicester are through. Celtic are out. Arsenal looking to uh, achieve their sixth victory in six as they take on Irish champions Dundalk. You've got uh, Dinamo Zagreb who are looking to go through the entire group stage without conceding a single goal. Uh, of the teams still vying for a place, probably match of the week, just to finish off on this, in the Europa League, would be Napoli-Real Sociedad, would you say? Absolutely, yeah. Totally. All right, then. Napoli uh, drew 1-1 with uh, AZ Alkmaar last time out, which has let the Dutch side back into the mix for making it out of the group. But they also got the the 1-0 win away at Real Sociedad in in San Sebastian. What are the prospects this time, James and Alvaro? And is this going to be after Tuesday and Wednesday? Should we tune in for this on Thursday? I'll be be very quick uh, here. Real Sociedad has to match uh, what AZ Alkmaar does against Rijeka which is not going to be easy. Uh, also because Silva and Oyarzabal may not be ready for the game. They are still in the sidelines and they are probably the most uh, important players of Real Sociedad. And uh, also they are playing at, uh, at uh, the Diego Armando Maradona ground uh, and Real Sociedad is going to find it very complicated to go through this time. Uh, you know, uh, they've been exceptional in the league so far, but you can see a little bit of a dip in their form over the last two or three weeks. And this time they are playing against Napoli. It's a tough uh, task for Real Sociedad, definitely. Okay, nice early adoption of the new uh, San Paolo uh, nomenclature there. Napoli coming off a mighty 4-0 win over Crotone at the weekend, James. Yeah, and 
you know, if they hadn't had a point docked um, and had actually got to play that game against Juventus, um, yeah, who knows where they'd be? They're only five points off the top at the moment. Um, yeah, they, they would be a lot closer in their form. Has certainly suggested that they are a title contender this year. They've won their last two games, four uh, nil, um, and that's been without their seventy million euro signing Victor Osimhen as well. So, um, really impressive uh, to see Gattuso kind of stick with this four two three one, pushing Zielinski uh, behind uh, Mertens or whoever it is up front. Um, Zielinski nutmegging his man and then passing Insigne to score kind of Del Piero-esque goal at the weekend. So Napoli in in, in great form, um, but they are coming up against what the probably the best defensive side in La Liga at the moment. Second, um, second best. But I think for, from a from a XG point of view, in terms mm. of the chances that uh, the Real Sociedad are giving up, they're uh, fewer and of less quality than than some of the others. Yes. So should be a really good game. And James, you should know as well that the Real Sociedad in attack, they don't score as, m as many goals as they actually uh, try to score. Uh, they miss a lot of chances, and it happened on Sunday against Alaves as well. Uh, Isaac had two clear chances, also Porto, uh, also William Jose. But for one reason or another, I think their XG when it comes to scoring is also a little bit below par. All right, well, they better not be below par when they visit the San Paolo, soon to be Diego Armando Maradona Stadium on Thursday. That is your midweek schedule. Uh, listen, I hope that's been of some use. And that's where we come to the end of this Totally Football Show Euro edition. Of course, uh, some of us will be there at various times on Tuesday and Wednesday with the Gold Show on BT Sport. Early, we'll be on early on Tuesday with the uh, Lazio game against Bruges. So I do hope you join us for that. For now, many, many thanks to producer Charlie, Rafa, James, Jules and Alvaro and you listener. Do have a great week. We'll speak to you next time. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Muddy Knees Media.